Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Welcome, everybody. Is the sound okay? Can you hear me? Give me a thumbs up. Good enough. All right, I'm uh, I'm on the road. I'm not at home. I'm at a friend's house in Point Reyes, California, just north of San Francisco. I just spent the last couple of days at a Bayagiri Buddhist monastery up in outside of Ukiah, where I was visiting with one of my long, long-term uh, Buddhist teachers a monk by the name of Ajahn Amaro, and uh, happy to be here with everybody. Welcome to the first Thursday Refuge Recovery offering. Um, As a reminder, anybody that's here for their first time, uh, this is not a Refuge Recovery meeting. This is an offering of uh, Refuge Recovery World Services, where I once a month, give some teachings and uh, meditation, and if there's time, a little bit of Q&A dialogue. This is a teacher-led. Unlike our meetings, which are peer-led, this is actually me stepping into the role of of teaching a class once a month. And we're in a series on these first Thursdays of the heart practices. And we did loving kindness and we did compassion the last two months. And this month we are on appreciation, appreciative joy. And so we're going to talk about and meditate on the appreciation practice, one of our refuge recovery practices. Corey, I see that your hand has raised. I don't know. I'm not not taking questions yet. Okay. Um, Unless, is it about the format of this? It is. um, This is my first refuge recovery meeting. Do you think this would not exactly be the best um, one for me to join or? No, you're you're welcome to be here, Corey. Just, uh, that's one of the reasons why I say that is so that, people are, understand that this is different than refuge recovery meetings. Find a refuge recovery meeting, but this will also be a good introduction. You'll get to meditate with us and you're welcome to be here. And the, But then find uh, you'll, you'll find that what I'm doing um, of actually teaching is way different than what you have in refuge recovery where it's peer led and everybody is you know kind of taking rotating leadership. So um, welcome to be here. Also, find a refuge meeting soon. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome. I appreciate it. No, no problem. Welcome. So I love that the, the topic is appreciation tonight because I'm uh, experiencing all of this gratitude and all of this appreciation, which is not what I'm always experiencing. But right now I am because I just got to spend a couple of days with a teacher who has been uh, so incredibly supportive to me for 30 years now. And, um, and so I feel uh, so much appreciation for him. And I was, I was at this monastery where, um, you know, 25 years ago, when I went there for the first time, it was a garage on the side of a hill that they were gonna try to turn this property into a monastery. And now 25 years later, it's this thriving monastery with uh, 20 monks and um, a big, you know, big meditation halls. And uh, it's, it, was, it was amazing. So I really feel like uh, in tune with the topic, with gratitude, with appreciation, with... Um, and, and you know, one of the qualities of the Buddhist teachings about appreciation, it's called mudita. The Buddhist word is mudita, and it translates as uh, a form of empathy that we can have, that we can experience, that we can develop. 
Um, and if you think about, you know, for a moment, just think about empathy. Uh, my sense is that our general connotation with empathy is that like we're empathizing with something difficult. You know, when you think about like, oh, that very empathetic person or, um, you know, there's a, people who feel that they are empaths, that they feel things that other people are feeling uh, more strongly than most empaths. Uh, and the definition of empathy is to feel with. Now in this context, you know, in compassion, right? Empathy is part of compassion, feeling someone's pain with them, caring about their pain. But in this context, the Buddha's teaching is uh, learning to experience empathy for the happiness and success and joy that not only we experience ourselves, but that others experience, empathizing with other people's happiness. Now, in a lot of ways, this is the opposite of the very common human experience of jealousy, of envy, of that way that our minds so often compare. And rather than celebrating and feeling happy for someone else that's happy or successful or experiencing some joy in their lives, that somehow our, our self-centered human tendency is to feel jealous about it or judgmental or like there'll be less for us. If, hey, if you're so fucking happy, where's my happiness? <laughs> Rather than actually someone else's happiness, someone else's success being an opportunity for us to empathize with it and celebrate it and care about it and, and enjoy it. In Refuge, we're practicing for our recovery from addiction. We're using these interventions, mindfulness-based, Buddhist-based. How do we train our mind to stay sober, to stay on the recovery path? Mindfulness is key. It's huge. Present time awareness allows us to develop the wisdom of impermanence. Whatever is arising will pass whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. It won't last forever. It'll arise and pass. Um, the Buddha's experience of mindfulness, you know, 2,600 years ago, this guy, Siddhartha Gautama, discovered mindfulness. And he's like, oh, this works. It works so much better than purely concentrating in our meditation. When we bring our awareness to what's happening and we see the impermanent, the impersonal, the unreliable nature of all sensation and emotion and thought, this is liberating. He talks about, he talked about his experience of uh, battling with his own mind. Uh, you know, what we might call the addict mind or the craving mind or the judging mind, or he referred to that part of his own mind as Mara. He said, I was attacked by Mara the lust, the craving, the, you know, what we all know so well, that repetitive, self-centered craving of addiction. He said, I, I brought mindfulness to this, and mindfulness was the intervention, was the weapon that gave me victory over the suffering my mind was trying to create, the jealousy. And so I think this is really important. And this is one of the things that I love so much about Buddhism is that it normalizes. It says, oh, do you feel jealousy? And you can just kind of be like, yep, I feel jealousy sometimes. Do you feel envy? Yep, I feel envy sometimes. Do you have a mind that compares to others? This sort of comparing mind? Yep, I have that. Judging mind? Yep, I have that. <laughs> Fear? Yep, experience all of those things. And the way that the Buddha talked about it, the way Buddhism says is like, that's all normal and it's not your fault. Without mindfulness, without an intervention, it's just what the human mind does. As addicts, maybe we're even a more extreme uh, example of the normal human condition of judging and craving and jealousy and uh, suffering, self-created suffering in our own minds and our own bodies. So the Buddha said mindfulness was what led him to this place where he learned to not take it all so personally, to see this is just the human mind, it's the human condition. When I believe it, I suffer. When I relate to it, I don't suffer. 
mindfulness, it, if it hasn't yet, if you keep doing mindfulness, it will give you that experience. And he said, okay, now I'm free. And when I got free from taking it all personal, the self-centeredness, the identification, the clinging, the aversion, the normal, he said, all that remained was kindness and empathy for pain, compassion, and empathy for joy. He said, there's no longer, once I came to, uh, trained my mind and, and woke up, once I recovered from the delusions that had created our addictions, he said, then there was a natural heart quality of appreciation rather than self-centered jealousy, rather than self-centered uh, envy, fear, comparing. He said, there's this natural state of, I appreciate, I empathize with. And when someone around me is happy, is successful, is I take pleasure in that. It feels great. I enjoy it. On our path of recovery, moving the dial from empty, <laughs> from empty of empathy, self-centered, I, me, mind, addiction, to I care about you, I appreciate you, I celebrate. I, it's, it's a pleasure to see your success. It's a pleasure to see uh, maybe one of the ways that we do this. I hope you're, I hope you're doing it some, experiencing this some. If you haven't yet, you will if you stick with it. Uh, if you're mentoring someone and you take someone through their inventories and you see someone um, you know, come in addicted and they come to the meeting and they keep coming back and you start to uh, just see like, oh, the lights are going on and they're starting to heal and their mind is clearing up and they're practicing abstinence and they're meditating. And have you had that experience yet where it's like, wow, this feels great. I love seeing someone have a successful recovery, right? We, we don't usually be like, oh, you know, fuck that person that's getting sober. <laughs> We're like, good for you. Like, I celebrate you. I appreciate you. I and what can I do to help and support and encourage you? And so that's the experience of appreciative joy of like, oh, you, I'm not doing it for you. You're doing your work. But I just appreciate seeing it. I celebrate it. I, uh, I wish you nothing but success. I will do a little note, we'll meditate in a minute, but I will do a little note here because this has been a bit of a challenge for me of the discernment of when is appreciation for someone else's success? And, you know, like maybe our minds can go to material success. Like, are we supposed to be happy for the billionaires? Are we supposed to be happy for, <laughs> is that what we're talking about here? If somebody's really successful, we're like, oh, like, you know, Jeff Bezos, so happy for you, dude. <laughs> um, one of the ways the Buddha talks about this and it's important is that we're developing appreciative joy for success, for happiness that is wholesome, that is earned in a skillful way. So if somebody's incredibly happy or successful in a way that's causing lots of harm to the world, in a way that is causing lots of negative karma for themselves, there's lots of incredibly wealthy people, but their money has been earned often in a way that has destroyed our planet, that has destroyed societies, that has, and so that's not necessarily the right, maybe in that case, I'm gonna talk shit about Bezos a little bit more. Maybe for him, it's actually more compassion for the karma that he's creating for himself. That even though it looks, oh, being the richest person in the world sounds pretty cool, but actually uh, maybe there's like compassion for the suffering of that greed that led to that accumulation. Um, and, you know, even the most confused person sometimes has wholesome moments, wholesome, uh, you know, so it's not all compassion or all appreciation. That's the discernment. Does it, I hope this makes sense. Sometimes when people, I know for me, I was like, well, am I really supposed to be happy for someone who's doing something really unskillful and they're stoked about it? It's like, no, that's not the appropriate time for appreciation. If the action is unskillful, 
it calls for compassion. It calls for forgiveness, not appreciation, even if they're happy about their unskillful actions. Traditionally, this practice is primarily for our relationship to others learning to appreciate the happiness of others, uncovering that quality of heart that the Buddha says he experienced in his awakening, empathetic joy, empathetic appreciation for others, your happiness, the opposite of jealousy. When I created Refuge and I wrote the meditations, as you're probably aware, if you're doing these practices, I included ourselves, ourselves aren't, you know, yourself, ourself, myself is not, usually traditionally included in this meditation. But I felt that it's been very important for me and you know, for us in recovery to learn that kind of self-appreciation, the non-attached appreciation to our own happiness, to our own pleasure, to our own joy, to our own success, so that it's not just out there for others. Oh, I'm happy for you, but there's something about learning to have loving kindness and compassion and appreciation for ourselves. So in the guided meditation we do in the refuge meetings, I included that and I'll include it a little bit in the meditation tonight. So it's a little bit different than gratitude um, where gratitude is often that sort of, what are you grateful for? And that's part of what I'm experiencing. Like I'm really grateful for these teachers who've supported me all of these years in my recovery. And just as an aside, this guy, Ajahn Amaro, um, one of my teachers, I had been studying with him. I met him when I was like 20. I was a couple years sober, three years sober. Um, I was a mess. <laughs> I was a mess and I was new to serious meditation practice. And I just resonated with him. He was in robes. He was a real, first real Buddhist I ever, you know, Buddhist monk, I, you know, I ever met. And I just resonated with him and I kept studying with him and going to his retreats and developing this relationship and staying sober and doing my own practice and abstinence. And, and then it was maybe 10 years into knowing this guy that then I, we start, I started to ask him about his past. And he told me that he used to be an alcoholic. And I never knew this. He said, you know, I, I never really thought about it, but in my relationship with you and other students, he said, I drank every day. He said, I'm English. I grew up in the pub. All we ever did was drink. He said, I actually found my way into Buddhism because I was drunk and sort of lost in Thailand. And somebody told me there was a cheap place you could stay at this monastery. So he said, I went to the monastery as like a drunken mess because I heard it was a cheap place to stay. <laughs> and then I heard the Dharma and I started practicing the Dharma and I never drank again because it's against the precepts. And I realized I'm a recovering alcoholic. And so there's something, you know, for anyways, that I appreciate that I didn't even know that about him. And I like alcoholics. I like addicts. Like there are my people. And I never totally knew what I liked so much about this guy because <laughs> I had no idea that he was a recovery guy until 10 years into like, oh, he's one of us. No wonder I resonate so much with him. He's one of us. When you're doing the appreciation meditation or the compassion or the forgiveness or the uh, loving kindness, any of these heart practices, you don't have to mean it. It's okay if you don't feel appreciative at all. It's okay if what you're actually experiencing is the opposite. You don't have to mean it. And likely, if you're new to these kind of practices or if stuff's going on in your, in your life, I did one of these appreciation meditations at a meeting, at a refuge meeting I was at last week. And as I was trying to do the appreciation, my mind was uh, giving me all of the resentments that I should be feeling rather than appreciation. So 33 year years into my recovery, been doing this meditation for decades, still sometimes when I try to develop 
the feeling of appreciation, my mind says, now let's get mad. <laughs> let's resent, let's judge, let's, let's not feel appreciation. Why don't you think about why, you know, all of the people who've hurt you or, or all of that, right? It's an ongoing practice. And there's nothing wrong with saying the phrases, even if you don't mean them right now. That in some ways we're creating a mind habit, a neuro pathway. You're saying, I, I appreciate you. May you be happy. May you be successful. And there might be in the back of your mind a, a, a loud or a quieter or loud uh, voice that says, eh, I don't really mean this. That's okay. Hope that makes sense. It's okay if you don't mean it yet. Keep doing it. Sometimes it'll be very sincere and you'll be feeling it and it'll resonate. And sometimes it'll just be like, yeah, I'm just doing this thing because that's what we're doing at the meeting or that's what Noah's talking about tonight. So I guess I'm going to do some fucking appreciation, but okay. <laughs> um, hope that makes sense. Fake it till you make it is legitimate spiritual practice. We can't wait until we're totally sincere and already there, right? If you're already feeling compassionate and appreciative, then you don't got to meditate, but we're not. So we got to keep meditating. <laughs> That's the reality for most of us. So please join me in a meditation. Find a way to sit upright, relaxed, Take a moment to just settle into mindfulness of the body, present time, non-judgmental, kind awareness towards the sensations you're currently experiencing. Feel the breath. Feel the contact with the chair, the cushion, wherever you're sitting. As you're doing mindfulness of your body, start with trying to generate a feeling of appreciation for this physical body. In whatever state of health or lack of health it's in, whatever state of aging this body is currently in, mobility or lack of mobility. Reflect on and connect with all of the things about your body that you appreciate. That hopefully you're able to walk around in this body, perform your tasks, this body that experiences sensation, sense pleasure. The body that sometimes can play, sometimes can dance. In whatever ways, whatever abilities your physical body currently has, or perhaps has had in the past. What we know is that all things are impermanent, including mobility, including health, including the process of aging, sickness and death as natural part. So appreciating the aliveness that we're experiencing right now, each breath, received with as much appreciation as you can feel in this moment.
appreciating the sense doors, the ability to hear and see and smell and taste. And whatever capacity you have, perhaps some of you can't hear so well or have lost taste and smell or have difficulties with vision, just appreciating your body as it is. and appreciating your mind. Even though our mind can create so much suffering for us, it can also create so much joy, humor, creativity. The mind's ability to remember, to plan, And using your mind to reflect on your life and all of the joy you have experienced. Remember some of the most pleasant experiences you've had. Wholesome, pleasurable, connected, loving. Even if there have been plenty of pain, just focus on what you've appreciated about this life the good times. Meeting ourselves with appreciation. And even just the simple fact of showing up to meditate right now. Here you are recovering, healing, training your heart and mind. Appreciate your own effort just for showing up, doing your recovery practice. And now begin extending beyond ourselves, thinking about loved ones. Start with someone easy, someone that you're grateful for, a teacher, a mentor, someone who's helped you in recovery, a friend who's supported you. Bring them to mind and see their happiness, reflect on their goodness, their joy. And extending them the simple wishes, may your happiness continue and increase. May you be successful. If you're thinking about someone in recovery, may you continue to have a successful recovery. Maintaining abstinence, developing wisdom and compassion. May you be happy. May your happiness continue and increase. May you be successful and met with appreciation.
saying these phrases over and over towards the person or other people, let other people come to mind. Think of the people in your meetings, the ones that you like. Think of the people in your life, the ones that you love. Even if sometimes those relationships are difficult, just focus on the appreciation, the wishing for happiness, for success. A part of your heart that celebrates and empathizes with other people's happiness. It doesn't feel threatened at all, but just cares, encourages and appreciates. Now moving on from, you know, hopefully this is the easiest category, the people that are easier to care about, friends, family, sangha. Now move on to somebody that you don't know and maybe someone here in the Zoom with us tonight. And if you need to, you could even open your eyes, look at somebody in one of the boxes that you don't know, and then take that stranger as an object of appreciation. Closing your eyes again, visualizing this person, also a member of refuge recovery, also on their path of healing, the underlying causes of addiction. This person who just like you wishes to be happy, which is to be free from addiction. And extending the phrases to this person, may you be happy, may your happiness continue and increase. May you be successful. Whatever your life is like, may you be successful in healthy, loving relationships. May you be professionally successful as long as you're within right livelihood. <laughs> May you be successful in your recovery, in your abstinence, in your healing, in your awakening. May you be successful. It's this encouraging, appreciating heart quality, mind state. Wishing you well. May you be met with appreciation. This helps wake us up to uh, out of our self-centeredness of like, I wanna be happy and I want my friends to be happy, but also for strangers. People that I don't even know, just like me, this universal human longing, this healthy desire for happiness. May you find it in your life in a, wholesome way, free from addiction, free from 
intoxicants, addictive behaviors. May you have true happiness. And now extending to the more challenging category of people that are difficult for you, people who you might have some resentment towards, who you judge, who you fear. And don't pick the worst person in the world. Maybe just pick somebody from your meetings that you find a bit annoying that they're not so easy. Pick somebody from your life, not that you hate, but that you don't love. And extend the wish for their happiness, the willingness to see their joy, to appreciate it. May you be happy, genuinely. May whatever joy you experience continue and increase. May you be successful. May you heal and recover. May you be met with appreciation. And now extending beyond the difficult person in a widening circle, include everyone here, 60 something of us meditating together right now, each one of us with our own joys and sorrows, each one of us taking the time to show up tonight. Send appreciation to this Sangha, this gathering community. May you be happy. May it continue and increase. May you be successful in your healing, in your recovering in your search for freedom. Extend this loving attitude of appreciation to everyone part of this refuge recovery program, thousands of people. meditating, showing up and being of service, mentoring each other, practicing the renunciation, the precepts, reflect on these thousands and thousands of people taking refuge in recovery, doing the work. Some of them more successfully than others, some struggling, relapsing. Some of them very difficult people, challenging, unskillful, but including in this broad, broad way, this attitude of appreciation for refuge itself and for the Sangha, we take refuge in the Sangha. 
the community. And lastly, going beyond our community outward in all directions to the east and west and north and south, above, below, the young and old, the rich and poor, those experiencing oppression and those oppressing, the wise and the unwise, near and far until we cover this whole planet, understanding that there's almost 8 billion humans on this planet. And then the countless animals and insects, and birds and fish, and these living beings, sentient beings. And extending a heart of empathetic joy, appreciation, well-wishing in all directions. May all living beings find happiness, experience happiness. May all living beings find wholesome, skillful forms of success. May the joy in this world increase, continue, be appreciated, the beauty, the kindness, the generosity, the wisdom and compassion that does exist met with appreciation, with deep gratitude, When you're ready, you can come back to yourself. This person that you have the most influence over, this mind that you have to live with. Remembering to appreciate all the good things about yourself. Be a bit kinder a bit more patient, more appreciative to your own body, your own mind, your own heart. Allowing your eyes to open whenever you're ready to do that. There are 10,000, probably more like 10 billion ways to suffer in this world. We're all pretty familiar with that. There's also 10 billion forms of joy that have nothing to do with intoxication. That might be news to you. <laughs> This is one of the practices to help us identify and see and appreciate with a non-attached attitude, the joy that life can be and will be 
when we get sober and we stay stay on this path of of healing and recovering. I'll spend the last um, fifteen minutes uh, answering any questions you might have about appreciation meditation practice, or if you want to ask anything else about um, the refuge recovery process, you're welcome to. Here for you for the next 15 minutes, we'll go until 6 p.m. Pacific. So anything that you'd like to ask about, you're welcome to. You can raise your hand under your little uh, participants, the icon, I believe. Corey, go so, ahead, uh, jump in. Yeah, my question is, um, do I just go on like the refuge recovery, like web page to be able to find like local in-person meetings uh it depends on where you are whether or not there will be any local in person um might be best to start with some of the online meetings where do you live Corey? uh akron ohio um there used to be some refuge meetings in akron the home of alcoholics anonymous <laughs> right 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 <laughs> but there were there were some refuge meetings there i'm not sure if post covid if there are or any you know right now any um live meetings so probably your best bet is to start with some online meetings okay yeah noah i live in columbus ohio um and there aren't any meetings in um anywhere in Ohio right now. Okay. Well, um, Corey, you sound like you're pretty new to it, but I didn't get who was, who was talking, but you know, this, that's also one of, was one of my jobs is to encourage people to start meetings. <laughs> um, especially, you know, with, uh, you know, pandemic, uh, issues in some places you can have meetings inside and some places you can't. So, uh, if it's possible, I'm always encouraging of people to start some new ones. And for now, we have lots of wonderful online sangha, lots of, you know, daily, lots of refuge meetings that you can get through Zoom. So that's that's where we're at for now. Uh, Russ, I think you're next from Alaska. Yeah, um, my, mine was more of a comment, but a little bit of a question. Um, I just wanted to say, I really like the, uh, the portion of the meditation that has to do with um, appreciation and hoping for, you know, wishing for happiness for somebody that really gets under your skin. Um, I find that the more that I do that, the more that uh, transmutes from, um, I hope you get your head out of your ass so you can have happiness to, I wish, for you happiness and healing as though, you know, the healing and the happiness, the, the happiness isn't contingent on the healing. Like you'll be happy if you stop pissing me and everybody else off, you know? Um, and I just really, you know, the more I practice it, the more that comes through. And uh, I guess the question portion, you know, I noticed that the more I do it, um, the more it permeates into my life between meditations. And, uh, you know, I guess the question would be, is, is that the main point of the practice? I would say, sure, yes, it's the main point. Um, the more we do it, the less we suffer and the more we experience joy. And um, that's the whole point of Buddhist practice and the whole point of our recovery um, is that suffering at other people you know is not i mean for us it's even dangerous like it could lead to relapse so like appreciation in combination with compassion and forgiveness as like relapse prevention but then even if you don't feel like you're close to the next you know relapse just for your own happiness your own well-being your own freedom 
not worth suffering at anybody. So even the people who are difficult, who are annoying, do some forgiveness for them, do some also some appreciation. And it's very difficult. It's so counter to our instincts, which is like, no, no, be mad at that person or judgmental or certainly don't be happy for them. Um, but this is part of the process that we're in. Um, so keep going. Awesome. Thank you so much. Welcome, Russ. Ginny. Thank you. So I have been finding it really difficult to meditate in meetings. I can meditate on my own, but there's something about um, in meeting that I really struggle with. Um, and I'm attending online meetings. Right. And I just wonder if others sometimes have that experience. Is it... Um... When you're meditating alone, are you also doing the meditation instructions? Are you listening to guided meditations? No. Is it something about the meditation instructions that in the yeah. meetings? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I'd have to talk to you a bit more, but I mean, we have a minute to um, explore what it is about what you're doing on your own that you like. And what you're being asked to do in refuge, which is either some form of mindfulness or some form of what we call heart practice, some compassion or some loving kindness or that you don't like. And then this, you know, exploration of in my experience, often the stuff that I resist that I don't like is where the healing actually is. It's not comfortable. It's maybe not pleasant, but it's like, oh, I'm resisting compassion like when I was early in recovery and we had to do loving kindness and I hated it because I needed it so badly and didn't feel like it was gonna work and because it stirred up my afflictive emotions so much so if that's part of the reason why it's challenging because of what you're being asked to do that's the kind of challenge and difficult that it's worth persevering through and i've been trying to um you know because i'm a silent meditator i've been trying to listen to the online mm -hmm. recordings to just get used to it right what is your silent meditation practice like what are you doing with your attention in your silent practice love and kindness you are. So you're developing an attitude of, yeah. but, but no phrases or you're doing phrases. Yes. I'm doing phrases. And it's something about in the meditation when they start reading the instructions or in the middle that I just, but I've always been a, I've always been a silent meditator. So I've been trying to listen to them online and get used to right. the instruction. But thank you very much. You're welcome. You know, also last thing I'll say, Jenny, is that it's also, if it's possible, if you can do this, uh, it's okay to tune them out. I know it's like it's there and you're hearing it. and um, But it's especially if you're doing loving kindness and that's helping you in your recovery, you can kind of tune out whatever they're saying and just say, I'm just going to keep doing my phrases. Let that be background sound. Now, I wouldn't suggest that for someone that doesn't know how to meditate yet. But if you already know and meta loving kindness is your kind of core practice, you can just honor that and be like, I'm just going to really focus on that right now. Welcome. Uh, Daniel Mazar, Mazer. Mazer, yes, sir. Hey, um, it's nice to be here. My first little meeting with Refuge Recovery. I'm active duty military, and I'm Welcome. doing this through, uh, you know, treatment for things uh, six years in. Um, it's mandated. I do five of these a week some way. Uh, this is preferable than AA to me. I was wondering if Refuge Recovery keeps track of meetings we do, or if not. Yeah, yeah there is a way for you to do that. Um, I think that what you do is the meetings that you, we, you know, we're like, we don't keep track, like World Services doesn't. So you have to like each meeting you go to, um, ask the person that's secretary and you can shoot them a message in the direct message and say, I need a, you know, something, um, you know, for my, court order or military order, whatever it is, yeah. um, that says I went to this meeting. 
And so most, most meeting secretaries will be able to say like, okay, we can email you attended this meeting or, or something like that. There, there is a way to do it. Is somebody here, Michelle or someone else, you know how, how they're able to do that kind of when it's mandated? That's like that. They email, you ask for a, <clears throat> an email and it says that so-and-so is the secretary of the meeting and has certifies that so-and-so has been here or not certified, but we'll give a blurb. There's no official thing really, but that's, a, that's about as good as we can do on zoom is kind of, you can start collecting four emails from meeting secretaries a week, you know, and then if you go back to that same meeting, the next Thursday, you'll get another one. Sir. Thank you. You're welcome, Daniel. Welcome to refuge. Stephanie, go ahead. Hi Noah, thank you for your service. Um, I'm in Austin, Texas and post COVID, we don't have any in-person meetings. Um, and you said, encourage people to start one. How would one go about that? Um, so there's some suggestions, which is if you have um, over six months sober or mm -hmm. in recovery, mm -hmm. um, then you're, we're welcome to do it. And uh, then, you, you know, you have to find a place and you have to be willing to show up to that place, even if nobody else shows up right away. Um, right. And as long as you're willing to adhere to the essential elements and the guiding principles of refuge recovery and use the refuge recovery book only, mm -hmm. um, then we'll post it on our site and then there will be one and people will start showing up, especially in Austin. Like you'll have a successful refuge meeting. Yes. Um, Agreed. You, just, you just have to find the place. And then there's also the like, ooh, do I, can I find a free place or am I willing to pay the rent if nobody else is here making donations in the beginning? Right, right. I've got plenty of places. I've been here a long time and I've been in the recovery community here for 20 years. So yes. So should I go on the website? And yeah, if you go on the website, there's a form, new okay. meetings form, you fill out the form, it'll come to me and a couple mm -hmm. of the volunteers and then we will have a meeting with you and we'll get you set up to uh, you know post a, a new meeting once you have a location and everything perfect well thank you so much thanks stephanie so i think uh, this uh, amy will be the last question i'll take these last couple alexander go ahead hey noah how are you i'm doing pretty well nice to see you yeah nice to see you um you know what um from last month uh, till this month, uh, my girlfriend um, broke up with me uh, two months ago, and I had a lot of resentment. Um, she follows a non-traditional Buddhist practice. Um, not going to get into it, <laughs> but you know what? Um, I During the meeting tonight, I started typing a forgiveness email. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Um, and you know what? There, I got to show you something. <laughs> I love it. What is it? What is that? An old school dog town skate? Oh, oh no, no, no. Board. It's new. <laughs> oh, it's well, new. well, it's 10 years old. Um, my family bought it for me for my 50th birthday. <laughs> I still skate. And, I'm not uh, even sure. Uh, I'm not even sure that Dogtown makes that longboard anymore. It might be a little bit collectible. No, no, that was actually, um, it's made in um, Colorado. Oh, okay. It's called, um, okay. Uh, what, it, Never Summer Industries? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, um, you know, read your Dorma Punk's uh, book. Alex, here, here's one thing. Here's one thing I want to say real quick. Um, sure. I don't know how long you're in recovery and all of that stuff, but... Before sending the forgiveness, I know you were writing a forgiveness letter and maybe you're doing that for yourself. Um, yeah, I would it, is deeply, for, it is for myself. Yeah, yeah, I deeply encourage, like, do the forgiveness meditation for some months. Okay. Um, on a regular basis before, you know, taking any sort of action, you know, like that's it's an, such an ongoing, as you're probably aware, we say, alternate forgiveness and loving kindness or heart practice and loving kind and, and mind. Yeah, I, I, I do um, from rehab months ago. Yeah. I yeah. do loving awareness. Great. It's one Great. of mine. Yeah. I, I, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> Great to see you. Let's Thanks skate. for dropping in. Let's skate sometime. <laughs> Let me know when you're in Venice. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, Corey, did you have another question? No, are you done? Yes. Yes, actually, I did. I, I wanted to know, like, you pretty much answered the question about starting up a, a meeting, um, a live meeting. Uh, <clears throat> you kind of answered a lot of those questions. But <clears throat> you also said something about a basic text or, like, does Refuge Recovery have, like, a, yeah. a basic text? Yes. And how do I go about getting that? Um, I mean, you could get it at your local bookstore or you can order it from the website. Okay. Um, all right. And that's just, uh, I believe that somebody posted that um, in the messages. It was like refugerecovery.org or something. Yeah. Okay. Michelle toasted um, the, the meeting directory, but it's at the same um, if you just go to refugerecovery.org, you'll find all the information you're looking for. Okay. And there's, is there like an inner group that like stems from like in California or something that, I mean, yeah. you said you would be one person that I could communicate with. Um, is there any way that I would be able to have like some type of exchange of a phone number or something so I could just get more information? I have over six months of sobriety. Um, but I just, I'd really like to start a meeting here in Akron. And I know they had them before COVID because that's when I first got originally interested, you know, but you know, then I went to go to one and it's like everything shut down, you know, and it still is. So, so I just mean, the same as, thing, just the right, same thing that I said to, um, the woman from Austin, um, which is go on the website, fill out the interest in creating a meeting, and then we'll be in contact with you that way. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much again. I Take really it easy. It. Yeah. Welcome, Corey. Amy, last one. Hey, do we have a, um, a policy on meetings being in person and online? Like um, hybrid? Like, yeah, hybrid sort of deal. I know we no. talked about it and I didn't know if we came up with anything. Mm -mm. Like basically, we don't, we don't have a we don't have a policy about it, but um, it's 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 OK if okay. So you could have you could have an in-person meeting and open a laptop and open it to online people as well. Yep. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah, I mean the problem with it is like um it doesn't work very well for right. the, you know, but uh there and there are some meetings that know how to do it where there's like the camera facing the room and then the person speaking has to it works a lot better if it's like you have to go and like stand at a podium and speak or read the meditation so that either that or else you have to pass the laptop to like this person is reading and then this person is. So it doesn't work very well, but there are some meetings that do it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. All right. Um, good to see everybody. And I'm going to leave it there for tonight. We're ending with a, a big encouragement to, if you're not already having this appreciation meditation in uh, direct rotation in your, uh, in your practice to make sure that you, you get it in your, uh, as part of what we do. And um, you don't wanna to get too bogged down on only focusing on the suffering and the compassion and the forgiveness, although that's very important. Also remember to celebrate and appreciate and develop gratitude as much as you can. So um, next month I will be on the final uh, heart practice. I, I think I think I'm on um, uh, equanimity and then we'll see where we go. So that's November, that's December and then we'll see we'll see what happens for the new year. Um, I just had a cancellation today for the refuge recovery retreat next week in um, in uh, New Mexico, and it's for uh, a female shared room. Um, so if anybody is interested in that, you could shoot me an email. Uh, any um, are interested in that, you could shoot me a female uh, a um, an email, not a female, a female email uh, at, uh, admin at refuge recovery. If there's any, um, women who are interested in coming to the retreat, it's next week. It's the uh, 11th to the 14th in Taos, New Mexico, refuge recovery retreat and the spring retreat, which is a seven day retreat, April, shoot, I'm forgetting the dates. Um, 
I'm forgetting the dates and I don't have it here, um, but there's a seven day retreat in April and it's actually about halfway full. So if you're planning to come to the seven day retreat in April, um, register soon. And I will, I hope to schedule a whole bunch of other refuge recovery retreats and not just on the West coast, try to get some East coast and, and middle of the country and uh, retreats going for next year, working on that. So leave it there for tonight. Many goodness that comes from our practice, our discussion of the Buddha's Dharma, the refuge recovery path to healing, be shared outward in all directions with all beings. May each one of us have a successful recovery and together let's create a positive change on this planet. Thank you. Refuge recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.